So we're all wrestling in our mind and we're all doing it silently. And yeah. us as an industry, as entrepreneurs, we're hurting. It's hard. The last year has been tough. And a lot of us are, those same questions that I just asked, there's people listening, they're going through that right now. And it's like, all right, God, I know you only kept me here just to literally say, hey, you're going to be all right. You're figuring it out. Wrestle with those questions. Don't resent those questions. Those are the good things. That's the good stuff. You're pursuing the higher things, the things that actually matter. But real estate was my vessel to get me there. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. And today, dude, I am freaking excited for today's podcast. Today, we have CEO, founder of the Sean team based out of Tulare slash Visalia, Blake Sean. Dude, welcome yes. on to the pod. Yes, I feel like I made it. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Hi, Tulare. <laughs> I'm over yeah. here in Fresno hanging out with Clovis peeps. I am not from Clovis. I'm okay, going okay. to redact that immediately. <laughs> Dude, it's yeah, cool. I catch the shit for being in Clovis, I even in Fresno. Time just because, like, Tulare's, like, ragtag. In sports, like, we're good because we're scrappy, but our uniforms suck. So every time we'd go play Clovis, we'd get judged because they got matching cleats matching baseball <laughs> bags and we're like lucky if our shoelaces were matching yep it's a different thing but oh know, well for clovis here we people. are dude yeah, i'm yeah. glad that you're on the pod you and yes. i have bumped into each other i think literally maybe twice and so it's a great opportunity for me to get to know you i've yeah. only heard good things if you're from fresno you may not know of blake because we tend to stay kind of north valley south valley kind right. of a thing but if you have any uh, needs in the South Valley, Blake is a huge resource. He already has the been go-to. for us. Um, so we're glad to have you on, dude. Yeah, dude. Can you tell us? I I was told by Cade that you got in the business pretty much younger than we did. So when did you start in real estate? Yeah. So officially licensed in 2014. Wow. But was in property management before that. How old were you when you started in property management? So I was probably about 22. Wow. Yep. Okay. And how did you get into property management? So gets kind of where like none of us end up in real estate necessarily by design. Um, I didn't wake mm-hmm. up when I was five and like, mom, I know what I want to be. I want to be a realtor. <laughs> you know, like, she's like, you made it, son. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that. So uh, I was actually pre-med kinesiology at Cal Poly. I love baseball. Um, Wanted to, almost played summer ball at Cuesta instead of going to Cal Poly, but um, decided I wanted to party at Cal Poly more than play baseball at Cuesta. (laughs) So that was that decision making. But um, essentially in the, and this is going to get long and I don't know if it's appropriate or not. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but um, in college, I got really good at selling drugs. And it was, I love partying. I didn't want to work. There was all sorts of avenues to do that in. I'm from the Valley. There's people from up North and down South that's, you know, wanting to party hard. And us in the Valley, like we already party hard, like in high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, or at least on my side. So anyway, um, I got really just beaten and bruised by 
trying to be cool. Yeah. And uh, had a lot of pride, had a lot of ego um, carried around with me uh, and uh, it essentially wrecked me. But in that wrecking, I actually found that I loved business. It wasn't drugs that I loved. I was hurt. So I was I was using drugs and selling drugs to other hurt people. Um, but I was hurt and I was broken and I found joy in just serving people. Yeah. And it sounds kind of cliche and sad, but like the service in the evil is what brought me to the good. And, uh, like I challenge people, like explore whatever that looks like for you, because man, me wanting to be good never made me good. It was me like having to be passionately curious about all things and figuring out what I actually wanted. So for me, it was, that was the business. It's like, okay, what is the underlying things here, Blake, outside of your hurt and trauma and things that you're trying to escape from? What is it that you loved about this? There was something more there and it was the people. And so I boiled it down and then it became, what's the most expensive thing that I can sell legally? And, and that's an interesting thing. I didn't, I don't want to be like crude or, or yeah, too no, like okay. straightforward, but like any drug dealer that's making uh, like real money yeah, would be a like a very often if they got off drugs, they'd be fan, like fantastic business owners because uh, fortunately or unfortunately it's a business yeah. and there's a lot of money in it. Yeah, there is. And so if you can set yourself up in that world, if you're struggling with that right now, yep. there's an easy transition out because there's a lot of legal things that you can sell that bring a lot of good to the world. Yes that still implement your skills, right? Dude, and I love that you just say it like that because it's been very hard for me. And I'm talking about this openly now, but this is guilt and shame that I've had to carry around for years and battle mm. by myself in dark corners and still figuring out like, hey, God, you still love me. Like, hey, am I still worth being alive? Is what I'm doing worth doing? Like, all of these deep questions, and I resented those questions and actually felt like I was sinning by even having them. And really, like, I just got loved on by people that told me, like, Blake, your best effort still isn't enough, and that's okay, and that's cool. And so, like, I had to go through this death and then rebirth, and I almost feel like when that happened, probably around 2021, it's been this evolution where every year, every couple years, every few years, I'm dying to myself again, and something has to give birth again, because the version of myself that got me to the next level isn't the same character profile that it's going to take to go to the next one. So it's constantly death, life, death, life, death, life. But no one waves a flag and say, hey, you're dying to this self now and this one needs to come out. No one's telling us that. So we're all wrestling in our mind and we're all doing it silently. And yeah. us as an industry, as entrepreneurs, we're hurting. It's hard. The last year has been tough. And a lot of us are those same questions that I just asked. There's people listening. They're going through that right now. And it's like, all right, God, I know you only kept me here just to literally say, hey, you're going to be all right. You're figuring it out. Wrestle with those questions. Don't resent those questions. Those are the good things. That's the good stuff. You're pursuing the higher things, the things that actually matter. But real estate was my vessel to get me there. And so I'll preach and tell people to the end, jump in real estate. Yeah. Let it wreck you. I hope it kills you. Not literally, but I hope the part of you that got you in here, I hope that part dies because there's a new version of yourself that this is going to give birth to that the world needs. It has to happen. And this is what it, this is what real estate did for me. So that's crazy. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of religious undertones. We're 
openly we openly talk about our faith on the podcast. Okay. Feel free to talk openly about yours, but it sounds like you've got a deep religious undertone yep. to your worldview. Uh, you know, where do you go to church? Yeah, so uh, I would say I'm a Christian. Um, I've been to all sorts of churches. I think I said it before the podcast, but I'm a disruptor, and I'm a disruptor in all things. I don't believe God sent me here to be just a disruptor in real estate industry, in my family, in my friend group. Same thing with the church. So I don't mind going in and disrupting churches if I feel like the posture of the heart's off, because God was never after a performance. He was after a heart. And when we start aligning our posture and our heart to the right thing, we start to see things the way that we were meant to see them. So it's not people's fault a lot of times when they're hurting. They're just not seeing things clearly. How can I bring clarity to you in this season? So I started asking myself those questions. Mind you, it took me 10 years to get here, selling a lot of property, figuring out that money and numbers don't really do much for me, and I still was hurting. But now my purpose here is, yeah, let me show off some of the cool stuff I've done in real estate to get in front of people that I get to love on deeply. Like, I want to go deeper with people. I was shallow a lot of my life. And uh, I just don't want to be that anymore. So, Well, dude, that makes me want to know and wonder how has your relationship with God, as, it, as it's went through the evolutions and the growth and the highs and lows that it's yeah. had, how has that affect? How has your how has your relationship with God affected your relationship with real estate? It made it secondary, and what I mean by that is real estate was my God, and um, I say that lightly, but not because real estate, owning property, having a big bank account, those were all my idols, and I held them above things that actually mattered. And it, uh, it stole the joy from everything that I was working for. And I realized that if I can get everything that I want and still be empty, like maybe I'm pursuing the wrong things. Mm. And God was like, what I started in you, I will finish, but you're going to have to trust me to die to that version of you that got you here. And I was like, but it's all I know. And it's my safe spot. I mean, I didn't go into the depth of the addiction, but I got kicked out of Cal Poly. My parents found out what I was doing. My real dad was the one that introduced me to every drug I've ever done and sold. What does it mean to, to be a son? You know? There's a lot to unpack there, too, because what does it mean to even have a, a... I mean, God's obviously referred to as father, but if you're... If your perception Human of father what it looks like. is that who leads you into temptation, that has to be a hard discerning process. I, I commend you because it sounds like 10 years doesn't sound like a long time to go from where you were to where you are. And I think you played it off like 10 years is a long time. But I mean, how many people do we know that fought addiction for 60 years and died that to that battle? Yeah. You know, so that's it demonstrates that passionate curiosity you were talking about. I mean, that's a lot, there's a lot of really hard questions you have to ask. Well, and the reason why I had to ask those questions is I gave up everything that I thought I wanted because I just wanted a relationship with my dad. And um, I had a great stepdad. I still do. I call him, he's my dad. Like, he raised me since I was five, you know? Um, but there was just always that part, like, what... 
what was it that kept you away from me? And so I was willing to lose it all to figure that out. And so I did. I went homeless with them for a little while um, between Tulare and Bakersfield. Um, my family, the other part of the family, the good part of my family that kept me straight and safe my whole life, uh, essentially had nothing to do with me at this point. I was valedictorian in my high school, star baseball player, and then two years later, I'm walking homeless in Tulare on those streets. So when people say, what, well, why do you love Tulare so much? Well, I know them. I walk the shadows. Like, I know every nook and cranny. I know every alleyway, and I know every person in there. And so it's like, I have to believe that God only kept me alive to love on that place, even though for whatever reason, it's disregarded and passed by, but we know that all of the things, the people and the places that are passed by are the ones that God chooses to thrive in. So I just chose to believe, you know what? You can use someone like me and you can use a place like Tulare to bring you glory. You've done it from the beginning of history until the end of time, you will do that. So Lord, I trust you. But Lord, you gotta, you gotta kill every version of me that's trying to come out that isn't of you because I don't want it anymore. And I think the hard part is, is God doesn't take everything away like that. But he says, I see your heart, son, and I love you right where you are. And I have enough grace to walk through that for however many years it takes. So I still battle addiction. I still have to go to those dark places and battle those thoughts. The reason I'm so down to earth is because there is no part of me that thinks I have made it. Until I go, until every day that I'm here is borrowed time. I've been attempted to be murdered three times when I was on the streets. It was gnarly. I had to learn, you know, we talk about race a lot, but you have to learn the jailhouse rules. I'm a white guy. I had to wear certain shoes on certain blocks. Like I had to do things that you look at me and you're like, there's no way that kid. Yeah, I did. And I, by the grace of God, I survived it, but I wasn't supposed to. So yeah, I understand that every day is borrowed for me. So yeah, I take risky things. Yeah, I'll go in debt for some stuff, but I won't go in debt now or I'll go in debt any day for the right, right things. I'm all about the investing. I know good debt. Ramsey, sorry, suck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just kidding. If you're, you know, there, there's a <laughs> time and not, a place, time and place, 95%, it's 99% is probably really good for, and I can maybe take some more notes. Um, but in general, after this last year, I lost so much. Um, I took on a brokerage, um, overhead went up 300%, real estate shot down 60%. I lost more than I ever lost. And I was like, God, we're here again. I had to battle those same thoughts. And it's like, he's like, son, until you go, like you're always gonna have to battle this. I think a lot of us don't think we're growing or we're sick or whatever, cause we still have to battle the same things. Those are the things that keep us like humbled enough to realize we need someone or something bigger than us to lead the way because we ain't got it. And so last year I came to that spot and I was like, what do I do from here? I started selling off my properties. Like, he's like, well, what do you want to invest in? I said, people. He's like, then throw it in your team. Sell everything you have. If that's what it takes. Keep this thing alive because this is the vehicle, not the property. This. So um, I'm going deep with my people right now. And there's only a handful of them that honestly have stuck around through this metamorphosis of mine. Because how I'm talking to you is how I talk to them openly in a big conference room. 
And I say, I can only give you what I have. And right now I don't have much, but if you want to stick by my side, I'll stick by yours too. I'll plant my two feet with yours and whatever you're going through, I'll be in it with you. But I had to figure out that I can't, I can't continue to give what I don't have. So in that breaking, I found boundaries. I found setting better expectations, having more quality conversations. That's what mattered. And then for whatever reason, I don't even care if it turns out to be successful or not. I found the greater thing. Hence, I know I will be successful. Yeah. Because the success is a byproduct of the righteousness, not the other way around. So why aren't we pursuing the righteousness, asking the questions that matter? And so as an industry, let's do that. Let's go to the leaders. Let's even go to maybe the people that are at the top because we know they're hurting maybe because they won't act like it. But like I'm praying for some of the big dogs out there because I know they got to be going through it, but they're putting on a face right now because I've had to put on a face and it's been heavy and hard, but like there's help. Do you feel like you had to get to a certain level of success in order for you specifically to realize that that monetary success wasn't what was going to get you there? Totally. So I went from on the streets at 21 to buying a house at like 25, I think. And like, I wasn't ready for that. You know, um, I'm going to take a drink of water because I'm about to go on another rant for you guys. <laughs> no, this is, it's interesting because, um, I don't know if Cade told you, but we got into an Ironman and he was also homeless and now he is very successful. And I feel like Cade and I never went through that specific struggle, but we yeah. both very much empathize with the people who have and yeah. understand that by all means, you guys have much more knowledge than we do about what's important in life. And I would say yes and thank you, but understand that wherever you are, you're still going to the depths in your mind. Whether the circumstance or the environment how around you looks a certain way is kind of irrelevant. The things that go on up here and how you shoot those vertically and contemplate them and question them, it don't matter if you went through a lot or a little. My perspective might be what it is and I might, you know, have a little more grace in me because I've just been so messed up and gone through so much. But in general, I have no doubt that you guys have had to go to deep places in your head and ask some of the questions that I've had to ask. Um, it's just looked different, you know? Yeah. So you went from, from homeless. I mean, I would never have been able to guess that based on what you do now. <laughs> you said you weren't ready to buy a house when you were 25, but you did. Yeah. So there's a man that comes into the scene by the name of Kevin Blaine. And uh, he, I joined Keller Williams. Uh, I was rookie of the year in 2015, I think. That's when I joined them. And then 2016, he was like, Blake, I got to have you. Like, you're supposed to be on my team. He asked me three times. I said no. But then his wife, Danny, which is now my mother in law. <laughs> <laughs> small world. And at the time I am engaged to another girl. So I'm joining this team. The only reason I joined this team was because my fiance at the time said, Blake, you have to take this. This looks more solid. This looks more stable for what we're going to do, you know? Um, and 
So anyway, I decided to say yes, thanks to my fiance. I was stubborn. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do this myself. Like, I'm going to get it done. You know, like I can do this. But anyway, so I said yes. Two weeks before the wedding, she says, hey, I'm not showing up. I said, what? Like, and I did everything right. So mind you, I'm coming off the street. I get in a relationship. I'm going to church every day I'm, or every week. Like, I'm doing the stuff. I'm doing this thing. I even think we remain, like, abstinent, dude. Like, I was like, I am going to be holy. <laughs> I'm going to fix myself. I was that, you know, and we do that, the pendulum, right? We go yeah. on these polar opposites. So this was my swing. And then two weeks, she's like, yeah, I'm just not going to show up. And I was like, God, like, but, like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, right? And I was selling real estate at the time. Now I'm on the Kevin Blaine team. And it's like, I didn't even want to join this team. She made me join it. It's like, but I'm here now, so I'm going to stick it out and see what's going on. And so I stick it out and laying in a bunch of houses. Kevin's building up this. I mean, at the time, it's already 400 some houses a year. Goes up to 800, 1,000, 1,200, 1,400 is what it ends up at. I think at its very peak with like 70 or 80 some odd people. Um, but I went assistant team leader. Um, and then general manager of that uh, before being recruited to go be team leader of Keller Williams in Paso Robles. So that was, and uh, I'm, there's so much here that I have to unpack with you guys, but no, it's fascinating. In, in general, like uh, that was that path. And so Mia, my wife, was a photographer on the Kevin Blaine team at the time. And so me and my fiance, we break up. I'm into Mia, like totally openly, like pursuing open flirting in the office, like inappropriate, you know, um, she wants nothing to do with me, but at that time it's okay. Cause I'm like, I go hard again for just a little bit. Like I let out some party rages and stuff that I had cooped up for a few years. Mm -hmm. And that's where I say the addiction stuff, it never goes away. I just have to learn how to deal with myself better and deal with this thing up here. So, um, yeah, that's how I get to meet my wife is on this team. Um, but then I go, me and I get married in April of 2018. That's the same month that I start in Paso Robles and Kevin commits suicide two weeks uh, after um, I start work over there. And uh, I get a call from Danny at Keller Williams and uh, she's just beside herself and it, it's still probably one of the hardest things I've had to think about, um, and flesh out to just part of the heart that you see is because, um, he just lost that battle to his mind. And, um, I know there was nothing that any of us necessarily could have done. Um, but a lot of us are still picking up the pieces from what that looks like. Um, and by the grace of God, like he just, he's just kept all of us. Um, that man did a lot of things, uh, for the community and just for real estate in general. And there's been a big gap and a big hole in our area since he's been gone. Uh, but when that happened, everyone on the team was like, Hey, you're coming back, right? Like you're going to come back and like help lead this thing. Right. And I said, no. 
I said, it's not my time. And I just knew in that moment that my time was being away from this all with my wife so that we could just figure out our stuff because we weren't doing too hot at the time. And so we stayed over there and we weathered it for a year. Um, and some of the hardest times, I mean, extracted from everyone and everything, but, uh, just me and my wife figuring it out. And, uh, yeah. So I don't even remember where the beginning of the question. I, I want to lead into, because I think this segues into you talk, you, you talk a lot about your people, mm-hmm. right? You, you talked about, you know, the vehicle, the light switch turned, the vehicle was not real estate or Mm -hmm. property. The vehicle was people. Mm -hmm. And the segue happens, I'm assuming after, you know, the year or so over in Paso Robles, the move back happens and the seeds are planted for the growth of what is now the Sean team. And that's exactly it. Can you talk about a little bit how that transition happens and yeah. what's in the two parter is I want to equate it back to also the light switch that happened when you said, Hey, I'm going to flip this light switch. And instead of real estate being God, God is going to be God and real estate is going to be real estate. Yeah. How, how does that shift affect all of these seeds that are planted for the growth of what is now the Sean team? Such a great question. And it's something that I'm still wrestling and it's what I said in the beginning, God, how my drive and my competitive nature and all of these things, God, like, how can I still be in this industry and compete at a high level without that same? And he was like, Blake, you still have that. I actually gave that to you from the beginning, and it's a good thing. Posture your heart correctly in it, and I will do wonderful things. And so I am still competitive. I still want to win. I still want to sell a bunch of houses. And we will, but I just have to train my brain every day. The work is not me selling houses. The work is me reminding myself every day where my priorities are because what's most important. And so how I view work is different now. What does that look like? What does it look like to achieve something? What does an accolade look like to you now? And it's still good to have, yeah, I'd love, um, you know, 1.2 1.2 mil, like every year. I want $100,000 months for our company, like every, every month. And that's going to happen. And I want us to go over 1,000 houses every year. And I know that's going to happen. However, it, when it happens, if I'm not working on training myself that my wife is most important, that my kids are most important, that quality time with them, that engaging in deep relationships with people are most important, Everything that I achieve, it's a clanging gong. It's noise. And it doesn't help anyone because now I can't be my true self at that level. What a horrific thing to have to fake it and then be there and try to coach people on how to be where they are when they're not happy. Like, it's the greatest tragedy in life to be living and still be dead. Yeah. How how do you, um, what does that internal dialogue look like to to like set your priority straight on a daily basis? Because on the big picture, it's clear that you've thought through the biggest 
but how did you whittle it down to the day-to-day actions? Yeah, uh, from the help of others. Uh, to be honest, I can't really get too small without engaging another person to help me because I am big picture. I am constantly, and part of that is I used to be really good at some of those littler things, but I had to create a world that was big enough for other people to fit in. Therefore, I had to start casting vision that was huge. And not only casting vision, I had to believe it. And so then it's working backwards from that, but then bringing on the right people that have the insight, the knowledge, and the know-how that maybe I never figured out along the way because I just know how to sell houses. Now I know how to sell houses and love people. I'm still figuring out processes, systems, procedures, protocols, roles, responsibilities, all of that stuff. Um, But I'm doing it by walking it out with the people that I want to do life and work with instead of by myself. Because then even if I do it by myself, I'm fitting people in a box that they may not want to be in, even though they're going to tell me yes. So I have to be willing to build with someone and I have to be willing for them to walk away in order to create something great. Because that's just me. I don't want to do it by myself. And so I've been through business partners and things and learned a lot along the way. And after this last year, I was like, God, do I just need to be solo? And he was like, what, and give up the only thing that really matters? Loving on people? I was like, okay, you know, check. Ah, it hurts. But that's the truth. So um, I would say I bit the bullet and did whatever it took for as long as I could until it was absolutely necessary to leverage. But now I'm like full leverage. Like I will figure out a way because the time and energy is most important for me so that I can cast a bigger vision. Because now we're getting at a level, it's like the next step it's going to get gnarly. We're there. The 10 years, the, the airplane's built. We're on the runway now. It's going to get fun, but it's going to push us back in our chair. So like, whew, I got to have a bunch of people that are mentally ready for that and also have the heart for it because I want them excited when they get the payday. Yeah. But how do you do that when you can't offer much in the time being? That's true. Well, in doubling down on people, yep. how... I mean, you mentioned you've been through business partners. I'm sure that relationships with people are, it, it's a whirlwind, mm-hmm. right? And especially through these growing pains yeah. of building what you are building, how, what, what is the internal dialogue or even what, what does it look like when bridges are burned mm-hmm. and, and the matches are lit and thrown and your Blake is left in the trenches trying to pick up the pieces, but still trying to keep front of mind that you need to love on people when people are burning what you're building. This is the exact dialogue. It is an honor to do it. It is not a burden. It is a privilege. God graced me with enough to be able to do it. Hallelujah. Gave me enough resources to pay off the debts that other people may have owed. But don't that make sense? I can freely get pay others' debts at this point because mine's been freely paid for. There's a concept that's deeper than numerics. 
And you, until you understand those concepts and apply them, it's lip service. And so I had to go through months of agitation and Lord, like I'm literally paying six figures of debt for people that said we were my partner. We said we were gonna do this. And he was like, consider it joy. I gave you enough. And then some. You can set them free and yourself all at the same time. Do you want it? So okay, <laughs> cool. So I did it. And that's where I say concepts like, everything that I have isn't mine anyway. If I viewed it as such, I wouldn't. I have to understand that concept. Time is not mine. Energy is not mine. Money is not mine. Resources, everything, my wife, my kids, nothing is mine. But thank you, God, for letting me borrow it for a little bit. I love that you gave me my wife. Like, out of all things, I get to go home to that. Like, I didn't feel like I would ever deserve that. God, you gave me a kid. I wanted to be dead so bad, God, and you kept me alive even though I didn't want to be. And then you felt like I deserved to make another life. Do those other things really matter? That's the dialogue. And sometimes it's every hour. That's why it's work. But consider it joy. It's an honor to do that work. It's the greater thing. So it's become pretty easy. And I do like time with myself now. I love car drives down here. It's like, just like, I didn't have worship music on. I had some weird techno stuff, but I was still praising God in it, getting weird. <laughs> like, me and God are on a, it's like, I want everyone to be friends with God like I am. I want everyone to be as messed up as I was if they get to experience how freeing this is. Because guys, my circumstances haven't changed a lot. I'm still in debt. I'm still battling out of some of last year. But I'm just so solid on the promise of what I'm pursuing is the greater thing that results are secondary. And there's freedom in that. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that I'm st I still don't stress because I do. I, I still do all the, th all the stuffs on all the things that we all do. Welcome to being human. That's right. But there's peace in that. There's even grace in that. Like, oh, hallelujah, I'm only human. But also, thank God, he chose to dwell. I believe I have the power of God living in me. When you hear me talking, it's only because I believe that. If I didn't really believe that, I wouldn't be speaking with the authority that I have right now. I know who I belong to. I know what I'm here to do. I know why I'm here. Those are the greatest questions in life. So yeah, I'm free. I'm still figuring a lot out. I'm still messing up a lot, but yeah. Dude, this is crazy. <laughs> I, I think we've done a lot better job at picking people who bring a lot more to the table than just how many houses we sell. I, I have a couple questions, and these are yeah. self-interested. Yeah. I'm recently married. I'm coming up on one year. Congrats, dude. Thank you. And you know how hard the first year is, especially... Just the adjustments that need to be made internally because I thought I knew that it was going to be a certain way. Yeah. And I had so many good 
mentors and just father figures who are great examples in their relationship say it's not going right. to be what you think it's going to be. <laughs> and then at the same time, all of my friends are getting married and a lot of them listen to the podcast. And a lot of them are making big career changes right now, just mm -hmm. the same way that your fiance had asked you to switch to, you know, a more yeah. stable job. They're having the same request. Yep. What kind of conversations did you have with your wife that helped you get through that to that next level? Because I have to guess that you wouldn't be sitting here where you are right now if your wife was not fully bought in in both the religious undertones and the business undertones that you're talking about. And so I'm just curious, like, what did that look like? I, it's present tense because it's a living organism. It's, it's not figured out. But um, I'll be very transparent with, or from my side of things, walking this out. Yeah. Mia's stepdad committed suicide in the industry that I am called to lead. Like that's been a lot for her. She despises real estate. She I would too. She despised it. She doesn't despise it as much now, but yeah, the first couple of years, like if I didn't have a resolve in me that I knew God placed me on the earth to do something here, if I wasn't solid on that, I would have bounced because there was absolute unrest in the home. There was very little um, stability. It's just very little stability. And there was little stability outside of the home as well. So it was chaos for me and I. And we had to make a decision and we had to understand that the Disney movie that we had watched prior to marriage was not the reality of marriage and or the purpose of marriage. So we have to understand the root purpose of marriage and what it does in order to even think that we have a successful one. And so um, we said, hey, our happiness is secondary to this, message, to, the, to this marriage. And that's weird. It's like, oh, you get married to be happy. No, you don't. You get married to wreck yourself and figure out who you are. <laughs> and God's so good, he'll pair a counterpart that is good enough at bringing every weakness out of you. And then he'll place you in close proximity so that you have to deal with each other in it. It's real growth there. Real disturbances. I want to talk about a, being a disruptor. Yeah. So go and get married. You're both going to be disrupting each other's lives and where you thought you were going. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And so in it, I just thank God. Thank God I know that you're doing something in my wife and through my wife that I could never do for myself. And even though it's challenging for me, Praise God that I'm being challenged. I get bored really easy. Like, if my wife didn't poke the hell out of me and challenge all of my weaknesses, I would get bored and go hyper-focus back into work because that's what I've done. Said so that addictive mentality doesn't go away. I can still get addicted to work. I could also be addicted to my wife. I can also be addicted to my kids, you know? And then so it's figuring out the healthy balance of it. But... Dude, we've, I'll be open, we've had to seek a lot of counsel in our marriage, um, but not only together, individually. I could tell by the way you were talking, like there's a lot, I could hear a lot of things that my therapist tells me. Yeah, okay, cool. I don't know if we talk about therapy openly or not, but yeah, like we got to get better as men 
for our women to get better as women. Leaders go first, and we're leaders of the household. But that's hard because we've been embedded in a society that teaches us counter things to that. So by the grace of God, like Mia helped push me towards therapy, and it was the only way that we were going to stay married. But like, truth be told, that should have been me leading the charge. I should have been the one doing it. But thank God, like my wife was pushing for it and helped in that because I just wanted to get stubborn and work harder. It's my default. So she made me look in the mirror at that. Um, and I push back on her on certain things too, you know? So it's, a, it's both ways. It's both and. It's not easy, but we're five years married. And we got two awesome, beautiful little kids. And uh, we are still figuring it out. So one year in, you're doing great, dude. You're here. So I don't see any like I'm, I'm claw feeling marks pretty on your good face. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm feeling pretty good about it. We've made it. We've made it this far, you know. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's uh, every day is uh, the next step, you know. But some of the questions that we talked about here, I had to talk about with my wife. Yeah, you have to. And it's uncomfortable sometimes because sometimes we don't even want to get that deep with each other. We just want to check out when we go home. And so when I talk about work, when I get in the vehicle to go home, my work is right before I go inside, I get my mind right to be as present as possible so I can be as loving and whatever as possible. But I had to realize that the work was I need to, before I go in, I need to get right or do all these things. So we're figuring out what is working for us, but it's been an absolute um, ping pong game of like, trial and error like you just see what fits for you and what doesn't and then you have to be okay that there is not one size fits all in a marriage your marriage could look a certain way and that's okay their marriage could look a certain way and that's okay cool i can i could live with that honey can you live with the way that we are yeah i could cool let's just keep being the way we are We'll figure it out. You want to figure it out together with me? Okay. All right. Like, let's, let's tap the pressure release a little bit and be like, we're figuring a lot of shit out right now. <laughs> we're pretty messed up. <sighs> okay. Hey, I'm sorry, honey. Like, I got really pent up today on some stupid stuff, and I probably should have just had a conversation with you before I left work, and I didn't feel like I had time. But I realize now, like, the most important thing I could have done today was that. I'm sorry. You want to pattern interrupt your wife? Like, love her, truly. Don't do what you think she wants to do. Do what she needs because you know. Ask God, what does my wife need? Not what does she need me to do. Who does she need me to be? And then God, I can't be that. Help. There has to be those transmittals though like it has to be that way that's the only way you rewire your mind our society's got us really jacked up so the work is rewiring our brain to be healthy <laughs> that's the work and then in the health then we get to thrive in whatever we do doesn't matter holy crap <laughs> this has been <laughs> A, a very because we obviously we didn't have any topic of discussion we said that something would come up 
Yeah, I'm amazed. You said it would be better than before the cameras it was. turned on, and it yeah, it yeah. got it got. <laughs> this will let linger a lot longer than anything else we could have <laughs> talked about. Good. I want to ask Blake because as somebody who, you know, as somebody who may be behind um, the cameras listening or watching, somebody who um, may have been in my shoes, yeah, right, and got to hear you and talk to you and hear what you are about, hear what your team is about. Who, if you had to compact it, who or what is the Sean team and what is their mission and what are their values? It's a light bearer of the things that matter. And um, I just came up with that on the spot, but I like it. Um, truth be told, I think that I trick people into talking about real estate just so I could talk to them. And so I'm big on investors. God brought me into this investor world. I did flips with Kevin back in 2016, 2017. So like it was not new. Flips are not new to me. Investments are not new to me. None of it is new. Um, but God never gave me a passion for it until last year. And so anytime he ignites something in me, I know it's not for me. <laughs> um, and it's really, there's a bunch of people that are wanting to do a bunch of good, but they don't know how, and they don't know like um, really where to put it or who to do it with. And I want that to be the Sean team. How do they get a hold of you? Good luck. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yes, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you could send me a, I mean, you can send me a personal message on my Instagram, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Sean teams on YouTube, every social media outlet, just about, um, and if you go on the Sean team's page, if you looked at yesterday's stories, we're going to do stuff like, how can we pray for you today? Uh, we're going to have a verse on there. We're going to have something really, uh, want to be a, want to be a form of encouragement. And so our social media is more driven on inspiration and encouragement. If people are looking for that, um, you know, we, we invite you to follow us and join along, but I love one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, with high-performing people because I love to get into the depths of their brain and explore that with them because there were people that were willing to do that with me. Um, well, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> there wasn't anyone that did that with me. I had to do it with myself in dark corners with God. And so I just want to be that. And I don't know what it looks like. There's no, uh, I, I don't even know. I just know that's why I'm here right now. So yeah, hit me up. I want to talk about whatever, but faith, marriage, important things. If you want to talk about real estate, we can talk about that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I want to ask, in addition to any other, you know, final things you want to share before we wrap up, but we have people who are listening who are, seasoned real estate professionals, whether they're investors, 
agents, whoever it is. We have newbie people mm-hmm. into real estate. And you said something funny because I know it's the same thing that happened with both of us that you 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 don't stumble into real estate by by choice. It's kind of by chance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we've always had our targeted audience of people who are new to the real estate space mm-hmm. who may be itching to, you know, do their first deal or really yeah. figure out what this is all about. If you had to share one piece of advice for those listeners, for those watching, what would it be? Say yes and fail as quickly as possible and as often as possible. Do not look at the money that you are losing in real estate as a deficit, but as an investment. Um, Spend everything you have. Lose everything you have. (laughs) I I hate to be this guy, (laughs) but if you really love this real estate thing as much as you say you do, then lose everything you have for it and then figure out life. And if you're scared of that, then maybe you're scared of the success on the other side, but you have to be willing to fail that bad. All the best performers we know lost it all and then built it up tenfold. Yeah. I don't know any other way around it. I've watched too many stories (laughs) where it's like, someone just tell me that they were just like a decent human and thrived. And it's like, well, if Ramsey, I guess, but like he doesn't tell the truth about how he got there, you know? Like, he, you know, like, so, I see there's a resentment for Dave. <laughs> I, I, he made me feel really bad about myself for a long time. And there's a one person of people that are going to change the world that can't get tripped up on things meant for the 90. But you have to decide if you are the 1%. And then if you decide that you are, you have to believe it. And if you can't do that, don't get in real estate because those are the only ones that are going to survive it in this next season. I do not know if that was good either. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a new segment once a month with Blake. uh, And it's going to be the Blake Sean show. And we're going to interview you. Guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Blake, thank you so much for your time and insight. Obviously, you've spent now decades going through a lot of stuff to be able to share what you just shared in an hour but we will have to have you come back on and uh, discuss some more topics because it's clear that you've got a lot Uh, I'm down and it's been an honor to be here honor to know you guys thank you bro all right guys see you next week